Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here along with psychic medium Stephanie Burke. And it seems like it's only been a few hours since we last talked. Yeah, I think it's it's been a little more than 12 hours, but that's about it. Well, I slept through most of the day, so. Did you? I wasn't feeling too well today. I wasn't really either. I feel like I got a sinus infection coming. but right. Which for all of our... All of the listeners that like to comment about your uh, allergies, yeah, they're really going to love this episode. I know, I know. You know, last night when we were on Midnight in the Desert, I had to keep muting the headphones that way I could cough. I'm like, oh no, not now. Maybe it's just an allergy thing, but I think it's more than that. But I've been traveling so much that it's bound to happen. I'm hoping that eventually when you know the new stuff comes in and the new system comes in that they can put in the cough buttons here. Oh, that'd be great. And then you could actually... like. Just not be on until right. you have something to say. Because as it is now, like if I hear you like struggling over there, I'll I'll pot this down. And then if you go to say something, like I haven't remembered to pull it back up again. So I usually just keep it up. But if you ever, you know, if you ever feel a sneeze or anything, it's up to you, I guess, to. I've tried, but sometimes they just attack you and there's no time. So the um, the good thing about it, though, is uh, you have enough distance away from me. That if when you do sneeze, you're not going to hit me. So I've never hit you in like seven years. I've never hit you. No, you cover your mouth. So, but uh, we are here to talk about the paranormal as we are each and every Saturday night. And as we did last night, for those of you who didn't get a chance to tune into the episode of Midnight in the Desert, see, since I started guest hosting over a year ago, I had recommended that you come on as a guest. Right. And it's just a matter of finding, you know, the right night. Mm -hmm. Uh, Part of it is. You know, they listen, this isn't something that was said to me. This isn't something that we've talked about. But I think there's a hesitancy with a lot of shows to have somebody on as a guest that's a, a psychic medium. Well, I can see why. You know, I I think part of it is you've, you've got two. Well, you, l- let me back back up a second. You've got two kinds of radio shows that want to have a psychic medium on. Mm-hmm. You have... The, you know, the morning drive shows, you know, kind of like the regular, the regular talk shows, mm-hmm. the, the top 40 morning shows, you know, those kind of shows. I just want to have you on for like a 15 minute segment where you give calls to listeners. Which is basically just a break for the hosts. And well, but I mean, it's also it's something that can kind of drum up some excitement, you know, for for the listeners. Right. Like, uh, you know, hey, coming up this Thursday, we're going to have readings with Stephanie Burke. Tune in 7 a.m. Thursday morning, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, I understand why some of those are a good fit for people to come on and and do those. Uh, And then there's the other way that you can do it, which is kind of a a more long form discussion. Right. And it's a matter of, to me, anybody that's heard us have psychic mediums on this show, it's the the process. It's the ability itself. It's how it works. It's how it came, how they came to discover it, what they do to to strengthen it, or what they do to work with it. It's all that stuff to me that's fascinating. Way more than hearing them give the actual. Because I actually cringe a little bit when it comes time to do the readings. I know, and we've been doing that for the last seven years. Actually, we haven't done it in a long time, but we've had a few on where we haven't really gotten to know them, and you know, we throw them into doing readings, and I just feel like it kills the quality as well. But I always agree to go on radio shows and the first thing I tell them is I'm not doing readings because I feel like people should know who I am and what it is that I do 
before they agree to do something like that. I want them to want the reading because they know who I am, not because they're just looking for anything out of desperation. So that's what we did last night. And we kept it different. But you and I are a little different anyways. I mean, well, it's it's okay, I guess, sometimes to have the the readings. I, and we do it here from time to time. I just don't want that to be what we do for the entire two hours of the show. Right. Uh, because, as I've said before, the only people that a reading is really interesting for is the person giving the reading and the person getting the exactly. reading. Exactly. And it makes for a really bad playback show because people don't really want to sit through that. We, I mean, we see it with the podcast numbers. Yep. You know, those shows just don't do as well. Some Sometimes we do it just because, you know, we need a night off. Right. You know, we just say... Oh, we haven't done it in a while. We say, hey, you know, this would be a great night for us to, you know, only do a one-hour show because I'm tired. So, right. for the second hour... But, you know, we say that and then the second hour just turns into nonstop button pushing because we get 22 calls in right. an hour to do it. So, it's just... It's it's a matter of, you know, it's. I think you have to have some right. out there. You know, it doesn't mean that you have to do it every single appearance that you make mm-hmm. but you do have to have some out there in the public realm so that people can hear little samples of what it is that you do i want you to answer me this question honestly Uh-oh. and i want you to uh, i want you to kind of but you know first of all hold on because we have fox news on behind here and they you know they get the greg gutfeld show on while we're on which is a kind of a humor based show uh, right now, they're attacking Marianne Williamson, who's one of the Democratic candidates for president. And she's also, you know, she's she's Oprah Winfrey's spiritual advisor. So she has all these, you know, like witchcraft associations with her. And, uh-huh. and one of them was, he just took a crack at ghost hunting. Like, listen, I don't care what the, uh, what the political stance is, but when you start going after ghost hunting... Now we've got now the division of this country has just gone too far. Agreed. This is tongue in cheek, of course. Right. But uh, I was I was actually thinking about reaching out to Marianne Williamson and seeing if we can have her on on the show. That'd be funny. So, I mean, anybody that's heard me do previous interviews with presidential candidates, don't worry, the show is not going to turn political. Right. The last politician that I had on the show was uh, Vermin Supreme. That is true. The guy who was running for president on the platform of a pony based economy yes everybody gets a pony <laughs> forget the, about that and then uh, so long ago the only other candidate i've ever you know besides the local stuff that right. i would do when i had my local saturday morning show but the only other candidate that i interviewed was uh i forget her name but she was the one that was uh she was part of the church of the spaghetti monster and she wore the colander on her oh, head oh yeah. i remember that so i go for the weird ones but why not you know like elizabeth warren will be on this station but she's gonna be on like the chris mccarthy show right you know I get the the guy that wears the rubber boot on his head and carries around a giant toothbrush, which is way more interesting to me. I mean, it's it's bizarre for sure. But I do I do want to I do want to try and see if we can get her to come on just so that we can talk about like I want to know, know what it's like to be Oprah's spiritual advisor. Yeah, I want to talk about like right. her history and all that stuff, but I don't want to talk about her platform. Right. Like that's that's for other shows. But uh, I do want to I do want to find out a little bit more about her because I think she's being you know the butt of a lot of jokes and and it's funny and I understand it but at the same time like I know other people that are the same way and what if they wanted to run for office? Every you great know? president that there was had a spiritual advisor. Well, so. let's let's look at it like this. Let's just say that you know uh, your daughter gets older and is in school and mm-hmm. you get involved in school activities and you decide you know what. 
I don't like the direction things are going. I want to run for the school committee. Mm-hmm. And I want to, you know, see if I can make a difference. And then, of course, there's going to be the one person that has to bring up what you do for a living. I'll just tell him it, turn him to a toad and keep but, going. But that's why I don't, like, why, why does that make a difference? It doesn't. And sometimes, you know, not for me at least, but other people that consider themselves a witch or whatever it might be, look at that as a religious view. So you're essentially attacking their religious beliefs, which gets even messier. So I mean, that is the, the, the funny part about it is that, uh, it's, it's should be something that should be off limits, right? but it's not. And like I said, you know, the comedians, the late night TV comedians and all mm-hmm. the, you know, I understand them making the jokes. What they don't realize is they're giving her a bigger platform by doing that. They're bringing attention to her by doing that. Well, I saw her, I saw her on a television appearance and, you know, everything she talked about was politically based. Yep. Her platform. She wasn't get. I mean, she's a little bit love and light. Yeah. Which... You know, I tend to roll my eyes at, mm-hmm. you, you know that, just because I'm do. a negative, pessimistic person. Agreed. But for the most part, like, it's not like she's talking about, like, weird spiritual things that wouldn't appeal to the masses. She's talking about her platform. So, right. yeah, anyway, that's uh, something. But that's exactly, you know, what we're kind of going up against when we're bringing people on who have abilities and bringing them on the show and saying... You know, we're going to have them on like the first phone call that comes through. We can say all we want. You know, we're not doing readings, mm-hmm. but the first phone call that comes through is, I want to know if there's anybody around me. Right. And okay, but we we don't want that to be the primary basis of the show. But I'm going to ask, so the question that I was going to ask you before, mm-hmm. honestly, tell us honestly, because it's so rapid fire. And you're going through so many people, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you're only scratching the the the, the surface right. of being able to communicate with these people. Is that format, is it easier or harder to do what you do when you're just taking these little quick little 40 second phone calls with people? I wouldn't say easier or harder, but I would say I don't necessarily enjoy it because I enjoy taking my time and getting into as much information as possible to help not only the person that has passed, but the person that I'm connecting them to here on earth. And, you know, Candace and I have talked about this a lot. She used to do the, the phone 107 morning show and she stopped doing it because she felt like it killed the quality of what she was trying to accomplish. And I can't say I disagree with her. I will only do that with certain people because I feel like some people don't really actually understand what it is that I do and what I need in order to do it. So I don't ever want them to cut me off or cut the caller off when it's not appropriate because it's really tough. Yeah, like, I mean, like you, watching, I just turn it. I just turn it over to the person right. doing the readings, and you've been really good about but I, that. I watch the clock to make sure that they're not right because you know sometimes the people that are on the other end of the phone can take advantage or just keep it going, and at that point, it's not fair well, to the other. But, people. And also, sometimes the person giving the reading gets going and yeah, doesn't and worry doesn't about stop. the time anymore. You right, know? and it's tough to be in that mindset, and I call it like the mediumship mind, where you literally have to shut off your logical thinking and go into the mediumistic part of your brain and you kind of get lost you know we talked a lot about how i don't necessarily remember what it is that i say i kind of it's tough to bounce back and forth between those two i can do it i don't necessarily enjoy it i'd rather just stay in the mediumship part of what i'm doing and then end it when i'm supposed to so i don't love it but i don't mind doing it with someone like you 
See, I would think like on the surface, I would think it's easier because you only have to make one connection with that person yep. and that's enough because then we're going to just move on to the next caller. It's but tough at the same to switch time, energy. That's al- the problem. Is it, I was going to say, you also, you don't get that time to kind of ramp up, which right. I guess is kind of a hard thing to do anyway because normally when you're doing any kind of a reading, it's a charged time mm-hmm. thing. So if you're giving somebody, say, you know, I had a half an hour reading in Lilydale. Right. So if you're giving somebody a half an hour reading, you can't spend 10 minutes of it trying to, trying to figure make that it out. connection. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, if I have a lot of readings set up, sometimes I'll pull somebody in that I already know to just start, like, I don't want to say practicing on, but that's the, like, a lack of better term, um, you know, to start flipping cards or connecting to that other side with them there. So I know, if, you know, as that information well, struggling to come through in the beginning, because it's kind of like starting up a lawnmower or a snowblower after the season. Um, it's, it's like batting practice. You know, when, right. when a guy's going off a batting practice, he has a particular person he likes to have him pitch the right. ball to to him because he knows that he's going to get the most, you know, right. that he can out of that. And honestly, all that is is a human thing. It's, it's you're psyching yourself out because as soon as you turn it on, it's on. It is what it is. It's just you're afraid that it's not going to be as strong like reading number one might not be as strong as reading number five and it's just a psychological thing that you do to yourself um a lot of psychics you'll see are really hit or miss in the beginning and then once they get going and gain their confidence which is a human thing they'll start to hit on things a lot easier or faster but i mean i think the last time i did readings on the radio might have been with you about seven years ago eight years ago and I mean, the information that I got on that show that we had done was fine. It was great, but I haven't done it since. I get emails from people that say sometimes, like, you know, can we do a night where Stephanie just does readings? And and the answer to that is no. Mm -hmm. Because if we do that, then it gets out there that this is what you do. And then it turns into everybody will call every week looking for readings. And I just, I I don't want to do that. I'd rather, and plus... Let's put the spotlight on some other people right. that don't have a weekly radio show mm-hmm. where they can come on and talk to people about, you know, what they believe and what they do and all right. that stuff. So I've been asked to do it on on major radio stations that are syndicated all over the country. I haven't said yes to one yet just because you're like my security blanket. So maybe someday I'll make a comeback here in my hometown. But Well, I mean, I if you ever yet. feel like you want to, we can, but I'm like I'm fundamentally against it just because right. i don't want it to turn we'd have to put a lot of caveats into the episode to say we can do like a christmas special you know this is a one-time only thing <laughs> right or like once a year well i think once a year would probably be, yeah. be fine just because it's been almost a decade since i've done it so so but we did have a great discussion about you know your life your journey right uh a lot of stuff that we've maybe touched on a little bit here on spooky south coast right. now, you probably touched on a little bit on other shows but i don't know if you've gotten as in depth as we did right you know having three hours uh to talk and and you know that you've done a good show when i got a compliment this morning from keith did you about the content of the show really generally if i get a compliment from keith it's like you know great job filling in great job you know coming over overcoming mm-hmm. sound issues and you know, it's usually from the technical standpoint, because as he said, he's not usually listening right. to the show because, I mean, basically for those who don't know, like he's doing everything mm-hmm. from the technical standpoint. All we have to do is like connect in with him and he does all the nuts and bolts work of running the show. And in doing that, 
you know, he's doing that around other things that he's doing. He also isn't a huge fan of a lot of the topics. Mm-hmm. And so he doesn't want to sit there and listen to every little bit of every show. He'd drive himself crazy doing right. that. So he's just, you know, and it's and it's not any slight on him for anybody that's saying, you know, Keith doesn't care. No, that's what most engineers and producers right. do it's in radio. Job. You know, they're they're running the technical side of things. They're doing a million things. They're not really paying attention to the content that's being put out. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but he's he wrote back talking about what a really good show it was from you know from a content perspective, which means you know he's paying attention. So well, that's really good. I mean, he had yeah. some good questions at the end of it. Oh, that was a great, it, great, great after show afterwards. Uh, you know, I was trying to make sure that we didn't leave you out of the discussion. Right. But, you know, that's kind. Of, it's kind of their show too, and right. they don't they don't they don't take advantage of that. Mm-hmm. with that after show you know they want everybody to come and hang out with them it's like no it's your show this is your time and plus we right. just talked for three hours let us go to bed i uh i'm surprised i lasted as long as i did and it was getting to the point where i knew i was being too quiet and you were trying to pull me into the conversation at that point i'm like it's 4 15 a.m on the east coast and i have got to go to bed because i was fading so fast and i went to bed not long after you because uh because lamone called in for the second time uh, and i was like i can't do that terrible phone again no no, I think we all need to take up a little collection <laughs> and get Lamone a new phone for I Christmas. I am thankful for his support, though. Oh, no, great, he's, great guy. He's always there, uh, you, you know, know, always calling in, very always much questions. A, very supportive listener. Yep. Just has a terrible, terrible phone. Uh, but the there's some questions in the chat room about where people can hear the episode. So the way that Midnight in the Desert works, uh, for those unfamiliar, is the show airs live Monday through Friday, uh, midnight here on the East. Uh, but nine o'clock in the desert, going up to midnight. Um, but the uh, show airs live. You can listen to it on midnightinthedesert.com, on the TuneIn app, on the Paranormal Radio app. That's the best way to listen, is to listen live. But if you can't, for whatever reason, if you have to get up early in the morning or you work overnight and you can't listen to the radio or any of that, they have the Time Traveler subscription service. So the new shows are free as they air. But any archives after that, you have to pay for. It's only four ninety nine a month. Mm-hmm. For four ninety nine a month, you get pretty much twenty free, uh, twenty new shows every week, every month. Sorry, not every week. <laughs> and all of the archives going all the way back to when Art Bell started the show. So you're getting like four years of archives um, for four ninety nine a month. I mean, that's when you look at it like that. You know, five dollars a month, you're getting twenty shows. Is that 40 cents a show? Does that make sense? No, four cents no a show? I have no idea. Four, I don't know. I can't do math. All right, hold on. But it's, you know, it's a really, really good deal just for the fresh content that you're getting all the time. 24 cents a show? 24 cents a show. Just for the ones that you're getting that month. But you're also getting archived shows. So really, right. it's, it's like negative cents per show with how many are in the archive. So it's worth signing up for give it a try go and get a subscription give it a month or two and see i guarantee you you'll love the show and it's delivered right to you you get it as soon pretty much as soon as the show is over so if you are somebody who wakes up at six or seven in the morning gets up and gets ready for work it'll be ready for you and you can hear you know all the great shows with dave schrader he's the regular host but then every once in a while you can hear me and and shannon and and tim dennis all the fill-in hosts uh, when you know when dave can't be there so that they still make sure that they have fresh content and don't have to put replays on all the time. But that's how you can get to it. Midnightinthedesert.com. Sign up for the Time Traveler subscription. Make sure that the first episode that you download was last night's episode so you can hear Stephanie and I getting really 
in deep on some of the topics. And one of the things that came up in the discussion last night, a little bit, we didn't really dwell on it, but it came up kind of in the course of things. And I made a mental note and said, hold on to that, save that, because that's going to be a good spooky topic. Hmm. What was it? And it was when we were talking about how we, it, was, it was during the after show, you know, we're explaining to Keith how a K2 meter works. Oh, yeah. Yep. And we're talking about kind of some of the theories around it. And so the question that popped into my head, because I'm thinking, I'm trying to put myself into Keith's shoes as we're explaining this to him. So he understands electromagnetism. He understands that there is a field around us all the time. He understands that electronic devices will increase that field, or, or electrical devices, rather. Right. Uh, anything that, that's powered will increase that field, at least in the immediate area of that operating object. And from a scientific perspective, he is probably thinking like, well, duh, well, yeah, of course you're going to find electromagnetic hits. But it's when we started explaining to him that the idea is that spirits increase that electromagnetic field because they're trying to draw in energy mm-hmm. to be able to communicate, manipulate, whatever it is that they're trying to do, and that that's how we are measuring these spikes. And I'm thinking to myself, when it comes to paranormal research, we operate on a lot of assumptions. We operate on a lot of, let's just say, or we operate on a lot of the commonly held belief is. And none of this stuff has yet to be proven. And I'm not talking about, you know, the paranormal has not been proven. I'm talking about the the small bits of minutia that we use to try to further research has not been proven. So it's entirely possible that we have built up an entire strategy of falsehood on top of falsehood on top of falsehood. Now, if you ask me, in my gut, do I feel like we're right? I do. And I do because we've had so many experiences where this stuff ties together. We've had so many times where you can um, you can point to examples where, yes, this is working and no, it's not working. You know, uh, you kind of can, can prove and disprove it a little bit based, based on that. But really, there's nothing that we can hold up and say... Yes, proof. Right. Because it's all based on this assumptive nature of the research that we do. Even a photograph, if you caught a photograph or video of a full-bodied apparition, you're still assuming that that's what that is. It's not definitive that you definitely caught the spirit of a person. I think it also depends on the person that is trying to interpret it as well. I mean, just like everything else in this world, if you look at something like the Bible, every single religion interprets it differently, and every single person that reads it within every single religion interprets it differently, and then there's arguments and debates over it. It falls in the same category as no matter what you do, and no matter who looks at it, no matter what is out there, people are still going to interpret it themselves, but there's nothing wrong with that interpretation, 
as long as it's moving toward the greater good or you're trying to uncover more of what is unknown. But religion gets a bit of a pass on that. But why? Because it's a belief system. But why isn't ghost hunting a belief system? Well, that's the problem is that people don't look at it as such. I but mean, it could be. We've, we've, we did an episode with Ken DeCosta where we talked about has the paranormal become a religion? And it has so many similarities with it that it's it's fair to say that it is for a lot of people because you are operating under an assumption an assumption of faith but religions don't ask people to prove the existence of god or to prove the validity of the stories in the bible because you know first of all like if they did it kind of opens up a whole can of worms with well, how much has it been changed over the years? How mm-hmm. much, you know, what was the original story? Can we go back to the original story? So, you know, it would, it would get really hinky trying to get into all of that and, and be able to um, figure out exactly what was originally uh, originally put forth. But we'll never have any idea. But with, but first of all, religion never pretends to be science. The paranormal does. It depends on which religion you're talking about. No, I don't, I don't. I think most of them kind of operate on a faith-based principle. So it's 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 more of a What about Scientology? That's not a real religion. <laughs> it's considered one. It's not a religion. It's it's a made-up story. But it's considered a religion. It's okay, protected. listen. If you ask me all religions are made-up stories. Right. But Scientology we know for a fact is a made-up story. We know the guy who made up the story. It's just it's still more accepted than paranormal. Which doesn't make any sense. I don't know if it's a, if that's because paranormal true. isn't a made-up story. I don't know if that's necessary. I think people are probably more accept. I think most people who aren't Scientologists are are convinced that Scientologists are just a bunch of fools. Like I don't know anybody that's like not a Scientologist. That's like, well, they're probably right. Even okay. So when we had the people on from the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster. That entire story that sparked that was the argument against the state for the person to wear a spaghetti colander on their head in their license photo. But the, and they won that argument because it was recognized as a religion. But their whole that whole entire religion is based on the idea of religions are ridiculous, so if you can believe in anything, why can't we believe in a flying spaghetti monster? So it's you know that's that's almost a mockery of religion. As a religion. Or what about that the, the new religion, the, the Jedi religion? I also don't think that's necessarily a recognized I would sign religion. up to be a Jedi. But but it's it's also it's a made up story and we know who made up the story. So it's you can it, I guess I'm picking I'm only picking on you because I can. No, but I guess I'm 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 being wishy washy about a religion being something that has uh kind of an unprovable origin point mm-hmm. or, or at least a faith-based origin point whereas you know jedi is not a religion it's a belief system mm-hmm. it's a belief system based on something that somebody created and other people said you know what that sounds good to us so Which what's is, religion then well i mean i think it's the same thing mm-hmm. but we can't go back to the origin point of who made it up i'm talking about my theory mm-hmm. my belief is that it's the same thing. And people can hate on me all they want for thinking that way, but that's the way I think. But most people who believe in a religion 
don't believe that somebody just created it and made it up. They think that it's the truth. Right. But the people who are getting involved in something like Jedi or Scientology, they have to know that it was made up by somebody. The chances of them actually believing that are probably slim. But but it's it's an it's irrefutable. You can't believe. Well, so in, is history. Well, what do you believe in Jedi? If you believe in Jedi, then what do you believe happened? That's you know there was some divine hand that caused George Lucas to write the story <laughs> and come know. up with the. I've never looked the into basis it, of it, but because if it was, they probably would have done a better job of writing dialogue. Lopaka just said, "Be prepared. I've received a charter to open a church of Jediism in Hawaii." That's fine as long as he understands that they're. Oh, he does. They're basing that on a created mythology but that we know somebody created. It was funny that he piped in at that moment. But, okay, so look at the oldest known religions in the world that are recognized as religions. If you look at history, history completely 100% contradicts the stories of which we teach today in churches. I don't know if it 100% contradicts at all. I mean, like, they've gone back and they've, they've found proof that there was a flood. Yeah. So, just the parable that came around the flood is is probably not right. Okay, so, like, the the biggest thing, like, Jesus wasn't this very good-looking white man with long hair and blue eyes but, and abs. But religion doesn't tell us that's what Jesus looked but like. But where did that come from? From art, from the artistic renderings of Jesus during the times of the Renaissance. and, and when, Right, but it was changed from the original form. It had to have been. Because that's what they thought would that's what they wanted it to be depicted as exactly in terms so of people art would follow it well i mean you can say but i think also like you you can almost make the point well how could they have made jesus look like jesus would have really looked when chances are the people that were painting these has ne- have never seen a person that looked like that right so they're only taking their interpretation of what it would look like but it's still fascinating that it got to that point well, I mean, it's the fascination point for me is the fact that there are people that still argue that it would have to look like that. Right. You know, like, well, no, that's not Jesus. Jesus had long flowing hair and, and, and you know, he was white and he had these features. It's like, no, no, probably not. Historically and geographically, absolutely not. Except the possibility that he may have looked different. Right. Also accept the possibility that he may not have been a real person at all. Accept the possibility right. that he may have been, you know, an amalgamation of other stories. Mm-hmm. You know, all of these different things that people have researched and looked into, you have to be at least willing to accept that they're all possibilities. You can say, maybe, but my faith tells me this. Right. But people don't look at it that way. They look at it as it has to be scientific fact or historical fact because... Why would their religion tell them otherwise? Because, right. listen, a lot of it is we had to fill in the blanks. Mm-hmm. It's not a bad thing. It's a not a, ma- it it's not a manipulative a, thing. was a means of control. Well, I mean, if you want to get into the, the, the rational point, that, you know, the, uh, the reasoning points behind why they were doing it, sure. But just in terms of the, the stories that they were telling and the way that they were telling them, you know, there's gaps in some stories and you have to kind of fill them in. Right. It's no different than why... You know, they attributed certain um, uh, personifications to the Greek gods. You know, there had to be certain things that they had to explain, so they explained them through these gods. But anyway, I don't want to get too, like, bogged down in a lot of that stuff, but um, 
I do. I will say that anybody that believes that Scientology is a real religion is just outright foolish. I mean, especially since you know, what's her face went on what was it E Channel and blasted them to hell. Well, but forget that even because like that sensational television. It was a joke, Tim. But have you ever <laughs> seen the documentary Going Clear? No. Oh, you have to watch it. Do I? Do you still have HBO? Yeah. All right, so go on like HBO Go. Okay. And look up Going Clear. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 a documentary about Scientology, mm-hmm. and it goes into like how it all began, um, how L. Ron Hubbard kept it going as a means to keep himself as you know this godlike figure, mm-hmm. and it talks about all of the the different processes that they are trying to get to. Like you you, you know you know who the gods are in Scientology, right? No, I don't know anything about it except for the it's, fact that Tom Cruise is really into it's, it. It's aliens. <laughs> oh, that's great. Awesome. So you have to watch this documentary and, and I don't see know it. if I want to now. You they're, said the A word. But they're not real aliens. They're just something that L. Ron Hubbard made up. So when you watch it, you're gonna you're gonna watch this documentary and the first thing you're gonna do is you're gonna text me right afterwards and you're gonna be like you're right. I don't know how anybody can believe in any of this stuff. Oh no, I'm sure. Absolutely. And you know, I, is it ancient aliens that I think did an entire episode on every, you know, mythical god or goddess um, or even every culture's god and goddess about them just being aliens and like try to explain away how they were all aliens at that point. I refuse to believe that Pele was an alien. That's my stance. Well, I don't know if I believe the ancient aliens theory at all. Mm-mm, I can't do it. Uh, I'm not ignorant to the fact that they're out there. I just and, don't believe and that. I, I do think, yeah, I think that they were probably aliens that came and visited. Mm-hmm. And and I would think that religions could pop up around them. Mm-hmm. I just don't know that they would last. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I think, like, eventually we would say, uh, no, that, that doesn't seem like it's right. Because people forget there's been lots of religions that have lived and died mm-hmm. with no resonance at all uh you know going forward there's been no adaptability no turning it into no absorbing it into another religion there's just been ones that have kind of come and gone right um for no reason just like there were other versions of i guess christianity before christianity right i mean there's so, so. many denominations now it's, it's funny because there's somebody who works at this station who is super religious mm-hmm. i'm not going to name any names because i don't want to embarrass anybody but super nice religious and this person we made a reference to lilith oh. and this person had never heard of lilith what like you know obviously they haven't caught up on their supernatural well i, I think one of the interns i was talking about i think referenced supernatural mm-hmm. as part of it but i was like but this is kind of you know where things they don't teach about her at all in religion. Well, in certain religions. What religions do they? Jewish religions teach about her. Do they? Yeah. But Christianity does not. So, you know, that's just an example of how there's stories that are out there that don't always fit the mold so they don't get put into the canon of that particular religion. Mm-hmm. But anyway, like we're kind of doing a lot of that with the paranormal where we're taking some of that stuff and saying like, okay, we're just going to make, you know, we're going to turn this into assumption. We're going to turn this assumption into fact. And we're going to say that this is a guiding principle of what it is that we do. And it just, it, 
it's kind of hard to let that resonate because to other people when we're talking about it like we get up there and we explain things Mm -hmm. to the common people that aren't paranormal researchers you know we go out and we do library lectures and paranormal conventions and all this stuff and radio shows and we we take people through how we think that it works Mm-hmm. And we have to sound authoritative when we do it because we want them to get to where we are, where we are at. So we have to kind of give them those as the building blocks to get where we we're at. But as I'm standing there sometimes telling these things to people, I'm thinking to myself, do I sound totally crazy to these people? They're sitting there, so no. I mean, but not all of them are sitting there because they are believers who want to believe some of them are sitting there because they want to say hey does i want to see why this idiot thinks that the paranormal is real so i just feel like the foundations of what we do aren't necessarily solid if they were solid i think we would have more definitive proof that they are at this point hmm i don't know i don't know if we would because you don't need any of the stuff that I need to walk into a room and realize that there's spirits there. Right. You don't need to pull out devices and start measuring environmental changes and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. But you walk in there and you know. Right. So if that's the case, if you can just walk in there and know without needing any of that other stuff... How do I know that that other stuff is definitely the truth? You know what I mean? You don't. You don't at all. Um, we take huge leaps in, in of faith in the paranormal. We do. And at the same time, I feel like the equipment that people had available to them a decade ago are pretty much obsolete at this point. But even though I think they're obsolete, people are still using them or just, you know, updated versions of them. Um I've, you know, one of the the things that stick with me all the time, no matter where I go, every event that I do, um, I tend to tell people something that Jeff Belanger said to me probably a good 10 years ago. And we were having a discussion with a group that we were getting ready to lead around. I think it was Slater Mill, to be honest. And he had a bunch of meters in his hands. And he said, all of these are all different and I could be holding out all of them and there could be 20 ghosts standing in front of you. And it doesn't mean that not one of them, you know, would want to set these meters off. They have the choice to do that, which is 100% correct. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a foolproof, you know, you have a meter, so 100% you're going to detect something. I think it's become, unfortunately, a, a, you know, party trick when it comes to... What you just said doesn't work with the way that people believe the paranormal works. No, it doesn't. Like you just said, they have a choice of whether or not to set that off. Yep. People think that by having a K2 meter, they're going to automatically capture a ghost no matter what. And I no, think... No, no, hold on. Uh-oh. I don't think that they think that they're going to capture a ghost no matter what. 
maybe some people that are using it incorrectly will will think that it is but the the general gist of using it is people are thinking that when these spirits are there and they're manifesting and we're going to a place where they have a, a supposed history of manifesting, mm-hmm. that what we're measuring is the byproduct of that manifestation. So it's it's like saying, um, you know, when you... Uh, let me give a, an example of something that I can think of here. Uh, you know, the smell of ozone when it rains. Mm-hmm. You know, it, you can tell that it's raining, when you open the door and you get hit with that smell of ozone, right? the rain doesn't choose to make that smell. It's mm-hmm. a byproduct of the fact that it's actually happening. right? And so I think the general fundamental theory of the paranormal is these things that we're trying to measure are the byproducts of these manifestations. So for you to say that it's a choice on their part to decide whether or not they want to give these signs mm-hmm. of their presence, that fundamentally clashes with why people are going out there and trying to investigate for the proof for proof right. of, of the existence of ghosts you know even something as simple as people complaining about the paranormal hangover which we've talked about for years you know you go out ghost hunting all night and you wake up the next day you sleep for a really long time you need energy drinks you need carbs you need chocolate you need whatever it is that you want to make yourself feel better and the next day it takes you a long time to recover or it takes you a couple days to recover, and people can't understand why that happens, if you're walking into a place and asking something to manifest itself to talk to you, you are a large battery. There's no way around it. There's no way to to explain it away. You're draining your own energy in order to give it to something that can potentially manifest. So, again, you know, it's like walking into a seventh grade dance. And asking anyone there along the wall to dance with you. Do you, you know, let's all think back to being like 12 years old. Would you want to go and dance with the unpopular kid or the mean kid or the really good looking one and you're nervous? You know, whatever category it might be, your energies do not always vibe. Sometimes they clash. So if your energy clashes with something that you're trying to communicate with, It's not going to come out and manifest. Or if you're going into a location that has ghost hunts every single night of the week, they're sick of performing because you're basically barking at them to perform like circus animals. They're going to ignore you. And that's when people get into provoking because they get so aggravated. They feel like that's what they need to do in order to get any activity going. So I could go on and on about this and and jump on my soapbox but i can jump off now because i you look like you have a question (laughs) no no we i'm just watching the clock we just have a couple minutes before we take a news break uh but well the other side of the argument though is that you have that paranormal hangover because you ate a bunch of crappy food and then you stayed up until two or three in the morning so i mean there's also that possibility i'm just saying like yeah but that exhausted the feeling. devil's advocate side of it is that I can't figure out, you know, why every time I do an investigation now, I end up with a Charlie horse. I wake up in, in, in the early hours of the next morning with a Charlie horse. Mm-hmm. You can say, well, you're not the most physically active guy, Weisberg, and you went out and you walked around a whole bunch. Right. I go out and I walk around a whole bunch other times. Mm-hmm. And I don't get that happen. It, it was after it happened that first time when it happened to both of us at Fort Tabor, which was oh, weird because it happened to us both at exactly the same time. Right. Um, but ever since then, it's almost like it's a guarantee that I'm going to wake really up painful. the next day. It, it took that me days lasted, to recover yeah. from that. 
that um I want to say I had a a tough time walking for a couple days because you and I were talking back and forth about it for a while. I mean, you know, my son loved bananas and always had a banana every day with his lunch. So there was always bananas in the house and, you know, bottles of water. So mm-hmm. you you have it happen. You run out to the kitchen, you eat a banana, you chug a bottle of water and you think that that's going to stop the, the Charlie horse from happening. And it does, but still the pain lingers uh, for days. But that, that might just be us. That might not be everybody else. Maybe you have had that happen. You can give us a call and let you know. Let us know. 508-996-0500. That's the number to call in with any thoughts during the course of the show tonight. Uh, we are going to take a break from for the news uh, because we're on the radio tonight. The Red Sox were, I guess, on earlier today. I didn't pay attention to the schedules. I said I, I literally slept all day. I woke, up, I woke up earlier and I made some some eggs and uh, passed out on the couch. And then I woke up and, and I ate some leftovers from last night's dinner and then took a shower and came here. That's it. I've done nothing all day. Mm. So, except watch Yellowstone. Great show. Is it? All right. We'll take a break now. We'll come back with more Spooky South Coast coming up in just a few moments. Welcome back. Our number two of Spooky South Coast, Tim Weisberg here, along with psychic medium Stephanie Burke. And, you know, we were talking in the last hour about religion. And during the break, the, the Happy Bible Hour commercial played. And I, I left the commercials running through the stream so people heard the commercials. Whoops. Yeah. I mean, it's not that I'm not supposed to do it. It's just right. better that I don't because now I have to go take those out mm-hmm. uh, for the for the recording later on. But you know that that show people don't know this that's the longest continuing radio show i think it might be in america definitely in this area it's been on the area it's been on the radio continuously for i think over 90 years wow so yeah so that show and but it's a locally produced show they actually come in here and they record it uh during the week here and then they they run it Sunday mornings because I think you know they're they're probably busy on Sunday mornings actually going to church but the yeah 90 I want to say it's 90 something years that that's been running that's amazing I mean I'm I'm amazed at the fact that we've lasted almost 14 years here what are we going to do when we don't do this on Saturday nights anymore we're going to have to like actually get lives find things to do Find things to do. What like did you what? what did you do on Saturday nights before? Because I was just I was we, just thinking that when you said we it. were here already doing this show right. for a number of years before you came on board. And I know that some of those Saturday nights you would come in here and hang out with us and other times you were listening, but I mean mm. in general you you probably did stuff on Saturday nights. I don't think I did. Well, I don't think it's not a secret. It used to be a bartender, right? So right, you right. probably worked on a lot of Saturday nights. I was trying to think of you know a timeline. So I stopped bartending regularly on weekends. I think in 2011, and I came on here 2013. But I honestly couldn't tell you what I did between those two years. 
but I used to work every single weekend because I bartended. So I used to drive around on Saturday nights. Uh huh. Um, you know, I, Saturday nights right before we started doing the show. You know, I was I was already married and uh, yeah. you know I had a young child, so like we didn't do anything on Saturday nights anyway. But like my early twenties, my Saturday nights would consist of like driving around, uh, usually going to Plymouth. In my Plymouth, I, I had a a '78 Plymouth Volare, uh, and I remember we would we would always take that to to Plymouth. We would drive there. We'd go to the mall, or we'd go to downtown. Um, and it didn't have a radio. Like the radio in the car didn't work, and because it was an older car, like mm-hmm. I couldn't find a good radio to put into it. I ended up actually buying a pretty good radio eventually for mm-hmm. it, but. Uh, originally, I was trying to find an original one to put in, so I I went to like rent a center, and I <laughs> I got back then they had what was called the JF J, the JVC Kaboom Box, <laughs> and they advertised it on wrestling. You know, this is like 1998, yeah. 1999. The J the JVC Kaboom Box, loudest boom box that you can get, and uh, I rented it because it had a remote, and so what I did is I I seat belted this boom box into the back seat. And it had like a ten disc changer in it and everything, and you know all this stuff. And but it had this this remote, so I would just drive around with that blasting from the back seat as my car radio, and I would use the remote to be able to like change the songs and change the station and all that because I couldn't turn around and and change the channels. So, so you were super cool. It just got really weird if we had passengers in the car, and I'm like, you have to hold my JVC Kaboom box in your lap while we drive around. That's really awkward. I wouldn't want to ride with you. But around the same time, uh, I got the CD that was being advertised on television from Time Life Music called Monster Ballads. And this is before like all the hair metal had come back to the radio. So we would just drive around playing Monster Ballads and Frank Sinatra CDs and all kinds of weird eclectic mixes. So it's probably better. That's so that, you, though. It is, but it's probably better that I spend Saturday nights in the studio now. think so. Because like left to my own devices, things were weird. But I, I mean, I, I came up at the time when, you know, malls were still kind of the place to go. So if we needed something to do, we would just drive to the mall and be like, well, mm-hmm. we'll figure it out when we get there. Maybe we'll go out to eat. Maybe we'll go to the movies. Maybe we'll just go shopping. But, you know, having a, a thriving mall and disposable income mm-hmm. was a pretty good. I remember when uh, my wife and I first started dating, she had a convertible and we went to the mall, and it was when Leechmere was closing, and they had this stereo that they were selling that was, you know, like one of those shelf systems you put in your bedroom yep. with the giant speakers, and it had a 50-disc changer in it, and it was on sale because they were closing down the store. It was like 75 bucks for the stereo, mm-hmm. and I said, oh, I have to have it, like, and I can't risk it not being here if I come back tomorrow, so it was like March it was cold and it had rained earlier and everything was damp and wet. And we had to drive because my friend Steve was with us and my wife's friend was with us. And we had to drive with the top down because the speakers were so big. We couldn't put them into the trunk and they wouldn't fit into the car. So we had to put the top down so that we could just sit there holding these giant speakers as we drove through, I'm not the, through the backwoods of Plymouth to get from Plymouth to Wareham. Uh, Kingston to Wareham. So, yeah. Better off that I'm here on Saturday nights. I was probably really boring at home and just 
doing nothing for those two years, I think. That's my guess. I mean, that's the best thing to do because then you don't get into trouble. But now we have... Um, and it required a lot of snacks. Well... A lot of good food. But how has that changed now? It's not. Except I'm here and I still require snacks. <laughs> right. Like, people don't realize this. Like, most times... Like, we stay here and talk quite a bit. Yes. But the fight is always about, like, you're watching the clock. And it's like, I'm really enjoying this conversation, but I also want to hit Taco Bell before it right. closes. Did you make Sorry. it last week? Uh, you know what? There were two cars in line, and I pulled up, and I was all excited because there's two cars in line, and they refused to say anything when I pulled up. Oh, that's the worst. Mm-hmm. Just at least have the testicular fortitude to say, sorry, we're, sorry, we're, closed. we're closed. Right. And it was awful because when I drove around, you could see all the people inside. There were people standing at the counter and everything, and they just refused to say anything. So I went to the other one near the highway. Over in New Bedford? Mm-hmm. They're open late? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's right. We went there one night. Yes. So, yeah, that's that's the ridiculous part about being paranormal people. Right. Is we are on a much, much different schedule. You you crack jokes at me all the time for eating gas station hot dogs. but So gross. They're not. That's they're, disgusting. They're just hot dogs. No. Like, they're not I just mean, hot, hot dogs, dogs are gross anyway. Right. But, but gas station hot dogs? No, they're, they're pretty good. Uh-uh. And... Uh, Cumberland Farms really up their game when it comes to mm. like the food that they offer. It's uh, they have a pizza that they're running for the summer. That is a uh, it's a chicken pesto pizza. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good. Mm-mm. You you just get the, you just get one slice because they call it the super slice. Like one slice is like equivalent to two slices of pizza. But yeah, you're talking about food. That's pretty good. Pizza we, sounds so good right now. We have to. Yeah, but the only pizza that you can get right now is the pizza you won't eat. Convenience Not true. store pizza. No, I bet you Domino's is open. I think they're open till midnight. I have a coupon on my desk for two free Domino's pizzas. Do you really? Mm-hmm. Any pizza that you want. Two free large Domino's pizza, any size. That is. Even specialty pizzas. Oh, that sounds so good. We give them away here. Somebody didn't pick one up, so really? I took it. Yeah. Not bad. So if you uh if if you are a paranormal person, which I think a lot of our audience is, you know, at, at the very least, they're people that are up late, then you know the struggle of trying to get the, the, the late night food. I used to love when Stop and Shop was open 24 hours a day, because if I didn't get the chance to, to eat dinner, I could always stop and get something and get something real, you know, have a real meal. Mm-hmm. Now... You know, because places just don't want to pay people to to stay up and all that kind of stuff. Now, you're just getting fast food stuff. Eileen says, keep peanut butter and jelly in your car. That's that's listen, a pretty good idea. Listen, when it comes to going to Paracons now, I know it's 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 a known fact that I'm going to have peanut butter and jelly in my room because I learned that lesson from John. I know Tenney. where to find a PBJ. The uh, you know it's funny though. Before, I think before you and John Tenney were friends. Like are as close as you are. I was bringing PBJ with me. Remember, I brought him to was it Terracon that time? Probably. And I was pregnant, and I came with a whole loaf of bread and PBJ. It's it's easy <laughs> to it's easy to bring with you. Yep. And uh, I was making sandwiches all day for everybody. The only catch is, in my opinion, you can't 
use a plastic knife Mm -mm. to make a peanut butter and jelly. It's terrible. You have to make the sacrifice of bringing a knife from home and running the risk that you might forget to bring it Mm -hmm. back. So I just buy, you know, some dollar store silverware. That's a pretty good idea. Because because Gerda taught me to to bend spoons. Yep. So I I usually try to buy a couple spoons over at the dollar store and mess with those. But perfect. Not not coming along so well. No. I don't practice enough. You'll have to practice more. It's kind of a cool thing. It, it it was cool, but also at the same time, like all I kept thinking was, I just wasted a spoon. Seriously, you would. Yeah, like that's so you. Just give me some straight metal, and I'll I'll figure it well, out. Well, I mean, it doesn't have to be a spoon. It's just easy. Well, I'm not gonna do a knife. It's way too hard. Really? They're thicker. Yeah. I'm not it's ready. It's not for necessarily. That. Too hard, it's just, you know, the better you are, the more you practice. Well, I'm not that good at it. So, and Mr. Abney says, nothing beats Pop-Tarts. Always Pop-Tarts on my desk. I haven't had a Pop-Tart in so long. Right now I have uh, two limited edition Pop-Tarts on my desk. Green Apple. Mm-hmm. That sounds disgusting. It's really good. Mm-mm. And it's it's kind of like, um, uh, like an apple tart kind of thing. And, okay. uh, and then peanut butter. They came out with like a straight peanut butter one. Mm-hmm. That was pretty good. Just neither one of those are really good cold. My favorite and my go-to was always the strawberry ones with the frosting on them. And if you get the dollar store Pop-Tarts, mm-hmm. like that's all that they have. Oh, it's, really? It's either strawberry, blueberry, or cherry, and they're all frosted. Perfect. Which is why every time I go to a convention, mm-hmm. in my bag of snacks, there's Pop-Tarts. You know, I just go over there and I buy... You know, $10 worth of stuff, and I'm good for the weekend. And they're good cold. And everybody else is, you know, trying to figure out what restaurant they're going to go spend $40 on dinner at. Mm-hmm. Well, meanwhile, I'm in my room eating, eating my Pop-Tarts. Pop-Tarts. See that? So, and it works. And usually they give you the, the free coffee one one way or another in a, in a hotel, whether it's in your room, mm-hmm. which is awful. I have no idea why it's so bad. No? No, but like... So, you get the crappy coffee that comes in the little envelope. Mm-hmm. Like, those are bad. Like, the little pod thing. Like, those are bad. Mm-hmm. But now they're replacing them all with little Keurigs. Right. And they give you, like, an actual Keurig cup of coffee. And you're like, okay, this is, like, the same coffee that I have at work or mm-hmm. that I would have anywhere else where there's a Keurig. But then, for some reason, when you make it, it's it's just horrendous. Really? Yeah. And I don't know why. That's weird. Maybe because they don't clean the Keurigs out enough or something, and I don't know. Well, you should never use coffee machines in hotel rooms anyways. Why not? It's it's there and it's free. That's so I'm going to use it. Nope. That's what I do. Google it. Doesn't matter. Just Google it. Nope. I'm still going to use it anyway. Even it's if so I, not sanitary. It's disgusting. Doesn't, don't. Nope. Still do it. And then I, uh, I always will go and you know, fill the ice bucket. Mm-mm, don't do that either. Yep. Well, let, well, they give you the plastic wrapper now to put inside the ice bucket, so you get that nice plastic wrapper to protect you from any germs. But I fill, fill the ice bucket and then I let the ice melt mm-hmm. so that I have you know nice cold water. Yeah. But I'll drink from a bathroom faucet. Lots of people won't. No, I won't either. I don't get that. I don't understand that. Especially in hotels, like it, it's so chlorinated, it tastes gross. But that's all water in in the hotel then. Right. But, like, I don't know why people don't drink out of their bathroom faucet. They're like, oh, I, I have to go to the kitchen to get a glass of water. I can't get I'm it from the bathroom. I'm that person. It's the same water. <laughs> um, at my parents' house, for sure, I was that person. 
and now that um, now that I well when I moved out I should say I got well water and it tastes totally different and I hate it yeah there's a lot of people are either pro well water or anti well water the problem with the well water is it's nobody's testing it well we do so yeah but not every day no not every day you're not taking frequent readings like they do with public water right and so that's part of the issue and then the other problem with it is is stuff seeps into your well a lot easier than it seeps into the public drinking supply Mm -hmm. so and i don't mean like i'm not talking about like crap i'm talking about like minerals and things that will right you can can totally test it i mean taste it but the uh the other thing too that people don't do is they'll have like filtered water in their house and then they don't change the filter like that's the, gross. That's the dumbest thing in the world. Right. It's like the whole reason you have filtered water is so that you don't take and you don't change the filter. Right. So it's not going to like here we have the the water that comes out of the refrigerator and people are like, well, that, that tastes weird. I'm like, because nobody cleans the filter. You don't have to change the filter and that. You, it'll clean yeah. it. And you just have to press two buttons and it cleans it and then you're done. But no, whatever. But no. Nobody has time for that, right? Anyway, I think we're getting even further off topic than we normally do. Um, one of the other things, as we were talking last night on Midnight in the Desert and talking about your experiences, uh, one of the other things that we talked about was, uh, during your, in the shadows period, we'll call it, when, Mm -hmm. when you weren't really telling people what it was that you were doing, uh, we were talking about how you spent time then as a paranormal investigator. And what's funny is back in those days, Paranormal investigators didn't want to have anything to do with mediums. Right. Like some of them may have worked with some. It was getting, it was kind of on the cusp of people wanting that designated one medium to work with their group. Oh, but it wasn't there yet. It wasn't there yet. But it was on the cusp of it. But that's, that's kind of where we're at now for the most part. But you had a few people like Andy Lake that was willing to utilize the Holzer method. And he got a lot of flack for that. Right, and it was like people like, why are you doing that? You know, Ron Ron Kolick, who we had on a few mm-hmm. weeks ago, was working with Maureen Wood, but it was it was kind of, I don't want to say frowned upon, but it was kind of like people said, well, that's not going to give you good evidence and data that you can share with people. Right, and so there was kind of that negative approach, and I talked about this uh, at my Ocean State Paracon lecture about how you know. People were kind of down on mediums because the paranormal television shows were down on mediums. Right. And so that kept a lot of the the investigators who kind of came up from watching these shows on television from wanting to include mediums in their work. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden, you have a lot of people who were paranormal investigators coming out as mediums. Right. And saying, you know... I remember that too. Everybody wanted to be the medium of their group. And so what I was thinking of is when we were talking about this is, do you think that it was that they decided to be the medium or do you think that there was a lot of people that were like you and didn't, or maybe, maybe they knew that they were and were hiding it until they felt comfortable or maybe they had no idea until they actually got into that situation and they said, wait a minute, I'm actually like communicating with these things. I can confidently say that any of those people over a decade ago that came out as mediums as part of their group are no longer even in the paranormal field. I think think that's way too much of a blanket statement. Mm -mm. 
You said not anyone. Every single one that came out as a medium. Not one of them work in the paranormal anymore. Like don't they don't even investigate anymore. I think what happened was I I, th- I don't know if you can say that accurately. You can say that you feel a majority of them do. Every single person that I came across. And at that time, the right, majority well, that's, of... That's a qualifier. ...groups were in the New England area. We knew a lot of them. And social media put a lot of them out there. And they put pushed themselves out there as this. And a lot of them dropped off. So I'm going to stand behind my statement because I did my research. I'll say the ones that you were aware of. Okay, Maybe. I'm sure there's one person out there somewhere that no, I don't I, know about. I honestly but. think there's probably there was probably a movement of people who got involved in paranormal research and realized that they were making this connection, you know, because this was the first time they put themselves in those situations. I'm not saying it was like, you know, one in every five people, but I I'm, also I'm sure there was a pretty good amount of people strongly that did. feel that if you are communicating with spirits, you realize that you are different from a very young age, not waking up in the middle of a paranormal investigation and finding out that you're a medium. But not it does, ever, doesn't work like that. Maybe not for you, but there have been other people that had it activated for them. So they say. I don't have any reason to disbelieve them. I do. I mean, there's plenty of people that, you know, all, they get hit by a car and all of a sudden they can play the violin. Well, that's a whole other ball game. There's people that get hit in the head and they can speak another language. I mean... Right. Well, there's there's got to be a part of your brain that is activated differently than a part of my brain that I've allows you to that. do this. I have always said that. But everyone that I've come across, and trust me, it happens probably more than everybody realizes that... Okay, so I was approached at one of the last events that I did by someone who... Um, completely didn't give me the time of day and like i spent an entire day her and her friend um ignoring my existence and like speaking to scott and like refused to like i actually inserted myself in the conversation multiple times just to see if they would continue to ignore me and they did and one of my episodes of kindred spirits reran that night on travel channel and the next day they came up to me profusely apologizing because they finally figured out who i was but I was over that. That's just somebody's character flaw. Exactly. People, I mean, people are at, um, people are jerks sometimes. Right, right, right. So this year, they ignored me again. Um, they said a few words to me, but she actually pulled me aside, not really, in the middle of a very busy hallway and told me that I was absolutely going to hate her because she claims to be a psychic. I said, why is that? She said, you're going to get pregnant okay and she kept insisting on it and i said yeah that's all the information that you got she's like oh yeah i don't have everything right now and she said um what did she say she said now it's gonna be soon it's gonna be soon and i said oh really okay and uh then she looked at me she's like but that can take up to two years i was like oh is that how that works and this whole thing jokes on you i'm really a dude oh my god well i did i did look at her and i say i did say to her i'm like that would be an act of god but okay and uh she's like oh you're you're gonna have to let me know you're gonna have to let me know i was like no it's not happening i have a huge problem with that mainly because a it's cold reading b a lot of people i know personally have had serious fertility issues that's not something that you ever go there with with people it's a very sensitive thing and you don't know what i've been through you have no idea what other people have been through don't ever bring that up well you're also putting yourself out there to to be incorrect exactly 
Like, I wouldn't really ever want to go and volunteer information for something that could be wrong. Mm -hmm. No matter how strongly I felt about it. Right. So, um, you know, people like that see an opportunity and they take it. And I think that's what happened in that movement is a lot of people wanted to be the medium of their group because paranormal TV suddenly started paying attention to mediums. So they started coming out as sensitive and they came out as mediums. And every single person that I came across has now completely dropped off the map altogether. It's still happening now because they see an opportunity, but now they see an opportunity to cold read me to hope that they it'll just launch them into stardom. I will put this out as a PSA to any mediums that are listening to the show. Stop going up to people and giving them unsolicited psychic advice. Please. Stop doing it because first of all, like not only is it you know, you run the risk of being wrong. Right. And you really don't want to run the risk of being wrong when you're trying to show off, but that's why you're doing it. You're doing it to show off. Mm-hmm. I, I really don't believe that mediums are so overwhelmingly... No, because you know The, the information is so strong coming to them, they just have right. to run up to you and tell you. You know what? I really sometimes really have to tell people that, I, you know, I can't stand them, but I still know better than to actually go up and tell them that. I um I think the biggest problem I had with that too was just oh my god so I was washing my hair in the shower and it finally just hit me it's like is that how it works because I wish that you know things like that hit me in the shower no I I firmly (laughs) believe that people can have accidents and and have it activated I think that if it's if it's a part of your brain right physically that that helps in this process the people that wake up one day and are genuinely curious or they see a money-making opportunity and they take two classes and they start giving readings, I have a problem with. But then again, we because also say that... you can't just activate it like that. But we do say that like anybody that. else... We always say that anybody can do it. No. Anybody can... Oh, has the capability of Has it. the capability of learning the psychic side of themselves. Opening up to the mediumship side, which is literally communicating with the dead only and hearing something back that is legitimate. I don't believe everybody can develop. So... I don't teach classes on it for that reason. I also, let me just put the caveat too that, you know, it's very rare that people get bonked on the head and suddenly become mediums. Right. But I do believe that it can happen. Well, why can't it? We can't prove that it can't, you know? My question is though, do you ever worry that you'll get bonked on the head and won't be able to do it yourself? No. Because I've been bonked on the head way too many times. I got a concussion last week. You just were bonked on the head. (laughs) I was bonked on the head very hard. Uh, like a week and a half I, ago. I, I notice that we always hear these stories of people who suddenly had it happen, mm-hmm. but you never hear the stories of people who suddenly lost it. Which is true. You know, um, probably the most devastating thing that's happened to me in the time that you've known me, but probably my entire life, was almost um, dying during my C-section, my near-death experience. And I felt really fortunate um, to work with John Tenney a couple months ago and just have a ton of downtime with him while we were driving back and forth to our events to just sit there and pick his brain because he's the most fascinating person on the planet but he's the only other person that i know that had a true near-death experience that was still alive well, he had, to tell me about it he actually died he had exactly. a death experience exactly so well i know they call it near death because you come back but exactly he he had died multiple times and 
you know, I don't have all the answers surrounding my situation, but it was fascinating for him to say to me, like, oh, you know, you probably had one of these, and he explained the three near-death experiences, and he said in the last one, which isn't as common, he described exactly what I went through, and it's exactly what he experienced. So it made me feel kind of normal, but after that happened to me, my abilities kind of grew. They went haywire, and it's been different ever since. And, and John wants to know if after you got your concussion, can you play the violin now? Um, you know, I haven't tried, but I am musically inclined anyway, so it's kind of be like cheating. Let's bring in, bring in the violin, and we'll see. But I like I, it's one of the few instruments that I actually wish that I knew how to play. Really? I just I just knew that my sausage sausage fingers would never be able to do it. <laughs> I tried guitar, I tried bass. I'm not like I played multiple instruments as a child. I'm so. not a musical person. I can't wrap yeah. my head around it. I can't like get it to, i mean, also didn't practice either right but, but i'll i just i can't wrap my head around it i really was just going to take this lesson every day for two years uh, every tuesday for two years just because it got me out of the house and it was like a you know like a therapeutic thing but i just i can't do it to save my life i was i was pretty good with the harmonica mm-hmm. that was i was able to figure out but anything else forget it remember when we had a band we had a band once you did have a band the evps, the EVPs. And it can, was actually really good. You can still check it out on YouTube if you look up on the Spooky South Coast YouTube channel and go a few years back. You know, that was 10, my... 10 years ago now. It was 10 years ago, and that was my first Bigfoot sighting. Right, right there in the Water Street Cafe. Right. Walked right up to us on stage. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, we... And, and you know what's funny? We only had one rehearsal for that. Really? Yeah. So Not bad. So we... Hello, there's, there's somebody waving to us through the window. Uh... I don't know, somebody in the parking lot. Uh, he was wearing a white shirt and black pants. It could be Slenderman, but I saw his face, so probably Is there actually not. a person there? Yeah, no, he just, somebody just waved to us and walked away. Okay. He was, he was kind of dressed up, so right. maybe he was like having dinner at the 99 or something and just wanted to Well, 99's been closed down for a little while now, so. No, I could Does have been he at the have bar. pizza? No, <laughs> he had his hands in his pockets, so. But yeah, you can check out the EVPs. We we had one day of practice. Uh, we had well, we did something. I forget what it was that we did earlier in the evening, and then we all I think we had to go like go to like the Wareham Historical Society for something, mm-hmm. and then we went to Moniz's house, and we all practiced, and we practiced for like it's like two the hours. weirdest place ever to practice too. Yeah, we practiced for like two hours, and then that was it. The next night we got up and performed. It was good, I have to admit. And I didn't even know you then, so I'm not even lying to you. And, well, I was terrible. I was the bass player. And if you go back and you listen to the videos, like you can hear my screw-ups on the really? bass. Really? Yeah. I didn't hear it and I was there. The, so. o- the only other time I performed musically on stage was uh, we did a fundraiser for New Bedford Schools mm-hmm. and the music department. And we had a media band. And so Matt Costa and I both played guitar. Because at that time, I was just taking guitar lessons. Mm -hmm. And so, basically, Matt covered up how bad I was. Because like he would would just play a little louder. But Mm -hmm. we were both playing rhythm guitar. So, he would just play a little bit louder than me so that nobody would hear Mm -hmm. how terrible I was. And then, uh, but when it came time for the EVPs, I was the only one that had a bass. Right. So, I was the bass player. And, uh, you know, Chops Wood was the lead singer. Mm -hmm. And he, when we rehearsed, you know, he was like, well, you can play any song. I was like, no, I can't. I haven't practiced. He's like, sure you can. And so he would, he's like, we're going to play Hotel California right now. 
I was like, I don't know how to play Hotel California at all. I was like, don't worry about it. He started playing and he would just yell out the chord. Mm -hmm. And I would play the chord and I would just like strum inside. He's like, see, that's all there is to it. And I was like, oh, oh, I think I finally broke through and figured out music. (laughs) And then sure enough, like the next night we're performing as DVPs and I'm screwing up left and right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because he couldn't yell out the chords to you. I wasn't so bad, but it's you can definitely hear I'm the one that messed up. Like Moniz is the drummer. Like it's so, and he doesn't know how to play the drums. I was gonna say that had to be worse. Like he's he's just like, <laughs> oh, I can play drums. Like we're like, you don't know how to play the drums, but he, I think he did better than I did. Nah. So it was good. Anyway, you can check it out. It's it's uh, you can hear Jeff Belanger sing, and you can see the rest of us rocking out, and you can see the special appearance by Bigfoot. So uh, let's go to the phones. We have a, a phone call five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. Good evening, guys. Always a pleasure. Got in about 20 minutes ago. Um, I called last time I talked to you, like over a month ago, and you were really busy and all that, so I kept it short. Um, My number shows up on your display, right? Um, Looking here. Uh, 5-2 are the last two numbers? Yes. Yep. Um, I was wondering if at some point next week I could meet with both of you two. I had an event happen between, well, it's connected between May 7th and June 21st. And June 21st, I was at the Paw Sox game where Roger Clemens was enshrined as a Paw Sox uh, Hall of Famer. Yeah, well, after and, only playing two games in Pawtucket, but yep. And I, the night I was listening to you guys about a month ago, I was like, Looking at the big post, they gave us a big poster about the two twenty game strikeouts he had, mm-hmm. and I started reeling so many things from a nightmare that I had on the seventh of May. <laughs> I even I can't believe it. I have heard and seen some strange things in my life, and I can't believe the things in this poster. And I was wondering if I could talk meet with you guys, bring this poster, and just explain a little bit of it. And if it makes any sense to you, it would really help me. Well, we can see what the schedule is, and maybe maybe you can swing by a little bit before the show next Saturday. Sure. Um, okay. Well, so it's it's things that are in the poster that that reminded you of the nightmare. Absolutely. <clears throat> I mean, what's it? What's in the poster? I would assume well, it's just all the history facts about Roger mm-hmm. and different things, and some of the names from the two the two different dates. And now I, I do like sports across the board, but I couldn't believe it. And the first thing was like, here's an example. I'm there on that night, which was June 21st with my friend. And the guy sitting behind me says to me, um, a black man, that American guy, athletic. Somebody says, some of my friends were telling me lately, the older I get, I look like Dave Henderson. I'm like, well, I kind of look and well, yeah, maybe I'm looking at the poster. And one of the people he struck out three times back on, um, what's the date? On 1986, April 29th, 1986, mm-hmm. was Dave Henderson. And that was like during like the second inning after he had already been enshrined. Too many things just through that whole game and that night started to like collide. I couldn't believe it. I mean, there is the possibility too sometimes, and I'm not discrediting your, your experience at all, but there is the... Um, you know what they call like the blue car syndrome, you know, where mm-hmm. 
you go out and you buy a, a blue Toyota Corolla, and now all you're seeing is blue Toyota Corollas all over the road. So where it was brought into the forefront of your mind, you know, now you're, it's, you're making these yeah. connections. The ones around you. Yeah. I mean, that does happen, but it, it sounds like this goes deeper than that. Oh, yeah. I've been, ta- I've been, wa- I've been listening to you for like eight years, and <laughs> this, this tops anything that's ever happened to me. Is- I mean, I actually had to tell my counselor about it like three days later. And she was like, Phil, really? And I was like, I'm telling you. She says, your eyes are like so intense right now. I said, it's just blown me away. For a few days, I didn't want to be around people. I was trying to like, am I losing my mind? But I'm, I calmed down quite a bit. And I, I was actually at the Paw Sox uh, about a week ago. And uh, just relaxing, walking around, looking at all the memorabilia to there of all the guys that have been enshrined and all the history and stuff. Even saw the big life-size poster of Brian Rose, which they have on one of the back um, entrances leaving the stadium. Mm-hmm. And then tonight on my way home, I said, I wonder if you're on tonight because I couldn't remember what your schedule was. And I came in and was listening to you two. Uh, um, I was only going to, sorry, I was going to ask, um, why do you call the dream a nightmare? Because it was nightmarish. The tail end of it was very nightmarish. Okay. Because it sounds... I, I don't want to go into detail. Like, That's on okay. Phone, um, I was only asking because... I woke it... up in sweats and chills. Yeah. Um, I asked only because it sounds like there are similarities between your dream and something that's on the poster, and I can't imagine that anything on the poster was nightmarish. So I was trying to figure out what the correlation was, for, you know, before um, we get off. And, and yeah. the, the, the fact that it was a nightmare, though... That main it started out as kind of like a funny dream in a sports kind of environment, and it turned into a nightmare. Well, I mean, listen, I have dreams that, that take turns like that all the time, and I have dreams that I know weren't a nightmare that I wake up as if they were. You know, like it just seemed. Why am I so weirded out and freaked out by that? You that know, that that's exactly that's exactly how I felt. So, I would actually say that the fact that you felt that way about the dream might just be ancillary to all of this, and it sounds more like. You just had something that sparked your subconscious. So whatever subconscious thoughts were were creating that dream, uh, whatever whatever was in your mind then, looking at that poster, re-sparked that same part of your subconscious. Yeah, looking at the poster, being at the game, going, wait a minute. And like I didn't even know until three days before that Roger Clemens, Roger Clemens was part of the dream. Hmm. I didn't know that Roger Clemens was going to be enshrined. I knew it was Jason Veritek night because I have I got a Jason Veritek jersey for it. So and weird weird feelings and, and, and feelings of a nightmare aside, Stephanie, is it possible that what that dream was was a um, a precognition dream that it was it kind like of, a premonition yeah. kind of thing. It could have been. I'd have to hear more details to definitely say for sure. But that's why I was kind of asking some questions to gauge yeah. where we were at. So what you well, think? Well, like I said, so like in the next, uh, like uh, if you want, I'll um, I'll try to touch base with you Saturday at some point, or if you if you call yeah, me because well, you see my number. We're, we're still Facebook friends, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so you can just shoot me a message on Facebook. Okay. Hey, when's the next time you're going to be uh, at some business doing a doing a promotion so I can come down and harass you guys? Oh, uh, li- well, a, live, you and Phil. a live broadcast. Uh, we got something yeah. that's coming up in the works. I don't think they've announced it on the air yet. So I don't want to. I don't want to give it away. Okay, that's all right. But uh, I would just say, that. by the end of this month, get ready to come uh, uh, come out and see us every morning for an entire week. 
Ooh, nice. Yeah, a little little tease there. Always a pleasure to talk to you guys, and thank you very much for your compassion and kindness. Likewise, Phil. Have a good thank night. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Right. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that, I, I think, like, the feeling, because it's so weird and, and different and strange, can feel scary. But it doesn't right. It doesn't sound like it was a, a scary thing. It sounds like he was having kind of a well, almost a psychic moment. It's a fear of the unknown, too. If you mm-hmm. don't know what's happening to you, then it can cause that. And I deal with that a lot when talking to people. Their automatic response is fear and panic, but it actually is a positive thing or an, a really normal thing. It's just not normal for them. And... I've had dreams where, like I said, it doesn't feel like a nightmare while it's happening. Mm-hmm. It feels like just a strange, weird dream. But then what will happen is when I wake up, I'm having the, the physical reaction. I'm shaking. Yep. I wake up shaking a lot, you know, which I find to be a, a, an interesting thing because I don't always remember the dreams, of course, but the ones that I can't remember, I'd be like, why am I having this reaction to it? Right. But it's, it's, you know, I have, okay, so I have air conditioning in my room mm-hmm. and I have, you know, just all I'm sleeping with right now is just a thin comforter um, on top of me because I, you know, try to keep it cool so I don't get overheated. And, but I also have to like be wrapped up in it, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So you, you say, all right, well, maybe a, a, the temperature dropped and I right. got cold, but it's not that kind of a, it's not that kind of a shiver. No, it's, it's different. It's, it's like an un, it's like an uncontrollable um, shaking, mm-hmm. and I, I can't figure it out. I'm like, well, uh, why would I feel this way? And it and it takes a good you know five to ten minutes before I feel okay. Right. I've done that even um, the other night when I fell asleep. I was in Virginia, and my daughter fell asleep on top of me, and. I mean, I'm sure it had something to do with, like, someone removing my daughter from on top of me, but um, Scott was picking her up to go put her into her own bed, and I immediately woke up because, you know, I could feel what was going on, but I was so angry. I had no idea who he was. I had no idea where I was, and it took me a while, and he even said to me, he's like, what's wrong with you? You know, why are you, you know, why are you so mad? And I said, "Um, I have no idea. I had no idea where I was. Like, you know, I wake up like that often because I'm traveling so much. There's times where I wake up and as I'm waking up, I picture in my bedroom and I open my eyes and I have no idea where I am. Likewise, I do it in my own room too. So, um, or I have those dreams where I'm so confused between what was the dream and what was the reality that I either like stay angry or upset all day long or at least for a few hours. A lot of my dreams take place in houses that are not mine. Or houses that I've never been in before, Mm -hmm. but they're houses that I've been into frequently in dreams, Mm -hmm. and when I'm in them, in the dream, they feel familiar. Yeah. And, like, I could almost give you the layout of these places, and what I find the most interesting about those is those are dreams that, when I'm in them, like I don't, I can't dream lucidly. I've tried. I just spoke with somebody on Midnight in the Desert that said that you can learn to do it. And maybe I'm going to try, but you know, I just don't. I don't have a lot of luck with doing it. But those are dreams that when I'm in them, I know that it's going to be a nightmare. Mm-hmm. So, have you tried to control your own dreams? Steer yourself away from? Well, yeah, lucid dreaming, but yeah, I just I don't I don't have any luck with it. No. So, but in in the 
and what's funny is like we do this stuff all the time mm-hmm. you know we go into scary places and places that people would be afraid to go into and all this stuff and we go into places where sometimes we have bad experiences mm-hmm. and you would think like i would have dreams about paranormal things never mm. never i have dreams where there's place i've there's been hauntings in some of these places that i've been in yeah but i'm not a paranormal investigator i'm not somebody that can deal with what goes on in it probably more often than not in my dreams i'm probably a younger version of myself and just don't realize it Mm -hmm. except there's this one dream where uh and you've been in it and other people have been in it where there's a house that we go into that there's this like top floor attic space Mm -hmm. And that when we go up to the top of the stairs, it's this whole wide open attic area. Mm-hmm. And that's where all the ghosts are. And we know this. And we like go up there and we stay for a little bit and then we run downstairs. And like it's kind of like an ongoing thing. And when it happens, when I have this kind of recurring dream, every time that I wake up from it, I'm like, why don't I realize in the dream that this is what we do? Right. And then maybe we can stay up there mm-hmm. and and see what, what it's all about. But it's just, it's, it's very strange. It's, I I think because as I'm getting older, you know how many, you're supposed to like dream more, mm-hmm. you know, like as you get older, like your mind has more on it. So you're supposed to kind of release more, but you're supposed to have less nightmares. Yeah. Uh, I don't dream or I don't remember my dreams mm-hmm. at all unless it's a nightmare. Really? Mm-hmm. Interesting. That was like Scott. He didn't dream for like 20 some odd years until he met me. And we had one dream that we both remember. We were both in the same place talking to each other. Remember what we talked about, what we were wearing, everything. And then my stomach's growling. Sorry. I'm sure that's really loud for everybody that's listening. It's because it's taco time. Um, And then we he didn't start dreaming again until we went to Hawaii in January. And then they were very vivid dreams that he could recall. So... I would guess maybe I've had four dreams this year so far. Wow. I dream every all night. Ni- all nightmares. I have some sometimes, but what causes nightmares is like eating right before bed. I will well, always no, guarantee I'm, have a nightmare. I've, I've heard, though, that that's not necessarily the cause of it. Mm-hmm. You know, that it's just that when you do it, it gets into your subconscious. Oh, I ate before bed. I'm going to have bad dreams. So then you do. But maybe it's time that we do a show on dreaming. We haven't done one in a long time. I would love to pull in Tenny for that. Sure. I mean, the last person that we talked to about dreams on the air was probably Rosemary. Yeah. Um, so it's it, it has been a while, but... Tenny and I had a weird conversation about the dream world when it's, we were in the car, so I would love to do that. It's a fascinating place, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe a lot of you out there listening are about to head off to that. We are not, because Stephanie's going to go get tacos. Hell yes, I am. But uh, we will be back next week. And I think the next couple of weeks, uh, I'm just trying to think in my head. Well, I suppose I could look at the calendar on my phone. But next week shouldn't be a problem. The week after that, I have wrestling. Mm. And I don't know if I'm going to make it in to do the show. So we'll kind of play it by ear for that week. But for those of you who have never been to a House of Bricks show, you might want to come out to this next one because there's only going to be a few left. They announced that after this year, they're not going to be having any more shows. Oh, really? So there's five shows left on the schedule, and then after that, 
House of Bricks is closing up shop. Wow. So this is an organization that exists solely for charitable purposes. They mm-hmm. put on charity shows and uh, they're just, it's it's getting harder and harder to put on the shows. Mm-hmm. And some of the people don't live around here anymore. So it's you know more of a trek for them to come here and do it. So these will be the last few shows that you can check out. It's, uh, it's Flashback Saturday Night, which is coming up on August 24th. And it's going to be... I believe at the VFW in Fairhaven, mm-hmm. but you can check out the House of Bricks show, uh, uh, the House of Bricks Facebook page rather to see where all the shows are happening. But hopefully, people will come out because if I only have five shows left, I got to get my revenge on the Thunder from Down Under, Michael Foster. Right, that should be interesting. You're gonna come in all banged up. No, he's beaten me up enough times. It's time for me to pay pay him back. That's... I don't know how I feel about this. Listen. First of all, he's he's shorter than I am. Really? Yes. So, you know, he's 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 a tough little guy, but mm-hmm. I think I can take him. Everybody keeps telling me like you don't wanna you don't wanna stand up to him, you know, he's an actual wrestler. But uh I I, f- I feel like I could probably take him. I feel like you've watched professional wrestling long enough to know what you're doing. Here's here's the problem is every time that he's gone after me, he's he's taken a cheap shot. Right. He's never actually come at me man-to-man, face-to-face. Do you want to tag team it? I mean, I've, I've asked, you know, Brickhouse Baker that mm-hmm. if we, you know, if he would come out of retirement and be my tag team partner. But I don't know. No luck yet? Well, he, he did come out of retirement for a show at Fenway last weekend. Mm-hmm. So if he put the tights back on for that, hopefully he can put the tights back on for this. I would love to be able to, uh, you know have somebody else do all the work and i just get to come in and get in a few good shots but i I think i could hold my own in a match you know what my finishing move is the spooky stunner i have so many comments for that one it's the spooky i'm just you know it's like the stone cold (laughs) stunner but it's the spooky stunner do you use that elsewhere too i take as i use it to take down ghosts okay so, uh, yeah. So, if you want to come out and check out a House of Brick show, I highly recommend it. Like I said, it's all for charity. Our buddy J.I.L.O. came down from, well, came up from Rhode Island uh, to the last show. He had a great time. So, anybody else out there that is a fan of pro wrestling, or even if you just, you know, want to see me maybe get beat up, either way, come on out to the House of Brick shows. Just follow House of Bricks Pro Wrestling on Facebook, and you can find out the dates of all those upcoming shows. They've announced all the dates and locations for those last remaining five shows. Come out, support great causes, and uh, and hopefully watch me get my revenge or get beat up again. Either way, I understand that that's a possibility. I understand that if I'm going to step into the ring against the Thunder from Down Under, I know what the end result could be. All right, so until next time... I want to thank everybody out there for listening. Remember, you can reach out to us, Spooky Crew at SpookySouthCoast.com. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. Like us on Facebook. So many ways to keep up with everything spooky that we do. But until next week, for Stephanie, for Moniz, for Matt, for intern Kylie, I'm Tim. We want you all to stay spooktacular.